My employer is an economist. He works in emerging markets. Actually, I, I don't really understand what he does. It doesn't matter since all I do is shop for him. And if this goes up, I'm at his side instantly. Which is wonderful since he's only in Berlin once or twice in a year. Hello everyone, Matt here and welcome to Looking Back at Lost, where each week I look at another episode of ABC's Lost to see how that episode fits into the series as a whole. Today I'll be covering episode 403, entitled The Economist. This is the 75th hour of the series, and there are 46 to go. With that, let's jump straight into the Wikipedia summary for this fun episode. Jack and Miles are arguing about what to do about the leader of the others, Ben and Miles' colleague Charlotte, both sought after by Miles and his colleagues and taken prisoner by Locke. Saeed pays his respects to Naomi, she being dead of course, and takes her bracelet. He then offers to retrieve Charlotte without bloodshed in return for gaining a helicopter flight to the freighter anchored offshore. He takes along Miles and Kate. Saeed asks Jack not to come with them as he might be unpredictable around Locke. While Saeed is gone, Daniel asks Regina on the freighter to shoot a projectile onto the island. Regina does so, but the projectile does not arrive for 31 minutes. When it lands, Daniel extracts a clock from the payload and finds the two times that running on the island and running outside are not synchronized. The survivors led by Locke arrive at the location of Jacob's cabin, but find the area deserted. Locke changes his course to the barracks and uses Hurley to ambush Saeed, Kate, and Miles. Kate is watched by Sawyer. They discuss their reasons, reasons for not wanting or wanting to go home. Kate realizes that she would be arrested for her crimes upon rescue and defects to Locke's group. Saeed negotiates with Locke to exchange Charlotte with Miles in order to gain access to the boat. Locke tells him that, that wouldn't be necessary as Ben has a spy on the freighter which Saeed responds that he would rather sell his soul than trust Ben. At the helicopter, Desmond confronts Lapidus about the picture Naomi had of him and his ex-fiancée, Penelope Widmore. Frank denies any knowledge of her, but Desmond nevertheless demands a place at the helicopter. At the same time, Saeed returns with only Charlotte. While Frank accuses Saeed of being dishonest, he considered Miles a, quote, pain in the ass, close quote, and agrees to fly him offshore. The episode's flash-forwards are centered on Saeed, who has since become one of the Oceanic Six. He is hired as an assassin and courts a German woman, Elsa, in order to get closer to, who, to her employer, The Economist. After several dates, Saeed turns on Elsa, who reveals herself to be a counter-spy by unexpectedly shooting Saeed in the shoulder. Saeed is able to shoot and kill Elsa. As the episode ends, Saeed is treated for his wound by his employer, Ben, who gives him another assignment. Saeed is now wary since they know that he's after them, to which Ben replies, good. And with that, let's now get into my thoughts about the episode. Certainly a bit of a, uh, a bit of a, I don't want to say downgrade, but a bit of a, a step down, a slower pace, a different pace than last week's wonderful, confirmed dead. But, uh, you know, they all can't be A++, and certainly this is a, 
a fine A-level episode that uh, carries the story quite nicely and certainly moves that story ball forward. So anyhow, uh, I just thought I'd mention that curiously, the previously on Lost starts with the exact same uh, scene as the last episode did, which is to say Naomi calling the freighter and getting the knife in the back. The episode proper starts with Saeed at the chopper, apparently meditating or praying, or perhaps just having a moment of quiet amidst all the continued chaos and craziness. He is, of course, at least up until this point, our most, or at least I would argue, he's our most centered character, our most uh, just character, at least in terms of their time on the island. Uh, the person who's always willing to work towards the greater good, but enter into that gray area. These are all kind of pillars of virtue that we'll see crashing down by the end of uh, the flash forward. Anyhow, he's having this quiet moment as others, small O, fight over where Ben is and what to do. Saeed goes to Naomi's body at this point, closes her eyes, and takes a bracelet off her wrist. Ooh, that must be important, that bracelet, right? It reads, N, I will always be with you, RG. It's a mystery that never gets solved. Perhaps it's eaten up by the writer's strike. Lostpedia is uh, very vague as to uh, as to you know what what uh, little thread that the bracelet might have meant to uh, you know or, or might have meant to follow. And indeed, perhaps as Lindelof says, it was just just a little character shading to show that she was loved. She you know was more than this mercenary. But eh. Anyhow, uh, this additionally lets us uh, see that Saeed has found a way to cut through the chaos and, of course, provide the episode with a dramatic arc. He says that he will bring back Charlotte safely as long as Lapidus brings him to the freighter. With that, we flash uh, forward to a bearded, happy Saeed. Probably they're concerned greatly about beard continuity here, so, you know, if you have a, you know, a proper beard as Saeed does on the island then uh, you can't kind of be going back and forth. Anyhow, so Saeed's playing golf on first viewing. might be unclear whether this was a flashback like we had last week or flash forwards like we've had in the two previous episodes. It's a safe bet on the latter, as we'll, still, uh, as we'll soon learn. A mystery chatty golfer comes along. He's talking it up with Saeed, who apparently wants nothing to do with him. With this, there's slow... Gauzy talk. They're in the Seychelles. There's a gentleman's bet for 100 euros on who can hit the ball closer to the hole or the pin or whatever they call it. Uh, and that Said is independently wealthy due to his involvement in a plane crash. You've heard of it, he says. Oceanic Flight 815. Said Jarrah, one of the Oceanic Six. P.S. That's a message for us at home that he's part of the Oceanic Six. They do this because we're going to see somebody at the end of the episode who's off the island but not part of the Oceanic Six. Then he adds, I think maybe just in my imagination, is everyone clear about this being a flash forward? A lot of communicating going on to us on the other side of the TV. Then in quick succession, the other guy wins the bet and gets coldly shot by our hero, our virtuous man, our pillar of all that is right. Uh, whose killing was only in his past, is it, right? <gasps> Shocker of shockers, he's gotten off the island. Now he's some sort of cold-blooded Jason Bourne, James Bond, Jack Bauer assassin. And indeed, on that cold-blooded, shocking note, the teaser act ends. 
taking us to the title card, then to the opposite of a Seychelles golf course, snowy, yes, snow, in their Hawaii shooting location. But in the, in the world of the show, we see snowy Germany. Saeed with long, well-pampered hair certainly looks handsome. Anyhow, enough of that. Uh, he chats it up with a tall, blonde woman who introduces herself as Elsa, uh, who mentions that she works for an economist. Hey, that's the name of this episode. It's almost like the economist is a MacGuffin that, you know, ultimately will not have any true value to the to the to the episode. They'll never get the get the economist. Uh, but boy, everybody's sure concerned about him for a great portion of the episode, which is to say, the flash forward. Saeed mentions that he's a headhunter, ha ha, but explains it as a corporate recruiter. Anyway, the economist is apparently. A mystery man hardly ever in town and seems difficult to find. Do we have our, you know, our antenna up for this one? By the way, the woman Elsa is a wonderful actress. Uh, I suppose it applies to both the actress as well as the character. Uh, she's bold as she suggests a restaurant they could go to, but shyly hands the map to Saeed. And... Uh, Certainly with the uh, reminder that at the end of the episode, she's a, a spy herself out to kind of form a protective barrier here against, uh, well, against this list that Ben is pursuing vis-a-vis Saeed. Uh, I suppose that's kind of her being demure. You know, hey, let's go out to dinner. And then, ooh, you know, you big man taking me out to dinner kind of thing. Anyhow, the, the sweetness of the moment is belied by Saeed exiting the restaurant making a brief call that he's made contact. It does kind of sound like a modified Ben voice on the other end, uh, which it is. I mean, it's obviously Ben. It also is modified, something that you'll hear, I think, done perhaps a bit imperfectly at the end of the episode, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Uh, The show takes a moment where it focuses on the, the snow on the street. It's rapidly melting, and it's all over the street for about 30 feet. You know, it's a good try, nonetheless. I mean, it is the tropics, after all. They're making a good uh, good effort. Saeed gets done with his phone conversation, chucks it in the garbage, and walks off. Isn't that what all good spy folk do? Flash forward over. Saeed shows our heroes, Kate, Jack, Juliet, a copy of the Desmond Penny picture. And then there's talk of uh, it being a mission that Saeed can handle, and not Jack. Saeed is the master soother for the plan to get Charlotte, as he pronounces it. And the writing in this scene and the next scene just absolutely sings. Hey, Giraffe, you think you're going after Charlotte without me? Of course not. Oh. Well, good. Is there anything else? Yeah, give my gun back. We leave in ten minutes. The story then moves to Locke and company, with Ben, of course, in tow. Ready to give us a name, Gizmo? He's not going to tell you who his spy is on their boat, James. Yeah, why not? Because that's the only thing keeping him alive. Well, here's an idea. Why don't we take a gun, point it to his big toe, and send that little piggy to market? And if he still doesn't want to tell us, we'll move on to the roast beef. Now, why don't we do that? Because then we'd have to carry him. Fantastic stuff here. Little toe. Piggy to market. Roast beef. And of course, who wants to carry a guy whose foot is bleeding? Just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. 
And of course, as has been going on for a number of episodes and perhaps progressing to a certain degree, uh, there's a sickly wonderfulness uh, concerning the makeup on Ben. He's just clearly meant to be covered in sweat and blood and pus and dirt and just all manner of yuckiness as he's, you know, been bleeding and blood on top of the dried blood and cuts and, you know, it's fantastic how pathetic he looks. Anyhow, when the cabin location is found, Sans cabin, there's a moment of confusion on uh, Locke's face, to which Ben very directly and loudly, so everyone can hear, loudly identifies as Locke needing direction with no one to give it, which, boy, if that just isn't Locke in a nutshell, he thinks he's on, well, I mean, goodness, his name is John Locke, to the degree that he's John the Baptist, you know, he's not uh, the guy in charge, he's the guy helping lead the way, and if you don't lead the way, you know, if, if you're not getting uh, marching orders or inspiration from somebody, then how can you possibly be leading the way if they're not, if you don't know if you're on the way, on the path? Anyhow, in Locke fashion, how does he respond to that? He starts to act like he's in control. Move on to the barracks. Use Charlotte as a hostage. That's not going to be a problem, is it, Hugo? It certainly is part of the evolution of Locke as a failed leader, a faux prophet who uh, just simply is not capable of leading the way, as I said earlier. I do want to stress here this notion that he's acting like he's in charge. It's the character acting. It's not the character supposing that he's in charge uh, or or that sort of thing. He really is making, uh, again, the character is making this sort of actor's decision. Well, let me say some forceful, definitive things uh, in order to give the veneer that I know what I'm doing. With that, we go back to the chopper site. Jack has been benched, of course, by Saeed, uh, but can read the situation perfectly. Send Kate as the Jack surrogate. Kate being protected by Sawyer's presence against Locke doing something like trying to kill her. Uh, the scene ends with a great cap. Lapidus wondering where this great and powerful Said is from. Iraq, he's told. Oh, he's a diplomat, he asks. No, a torturer, he's told. That little reminder of Said's past and, to a certain degree, his unfolding future, perhaps, uh, it ends the act. Again, not that he's directly torturing, but, you know, his, he's, we saw from that opening, he's got blood on his hands and he'll have more in the future before the episode ends. After the act breaks, Said is looking over Naomi's bracelet. Still no answers to be found there, sorry. Uh, and he's asking Miles about Naomi. There's a wonderful little line that helps characterize the Ghostbuster. I dug her because she was hot and had a great accent. I believe is the line or something close to it. It's a great end to the scene that uh, when Saeed says there was some fundamental debate whether the freighter folk were coming to rescue everyone or kill them, Saeed says that he'll let Miles know which side he's on once he decides. With that, we flash forward to lovey-dovey Saeed smooching with Elsa. She's so hot to trot, at least apparently, uh, that she's prepared to leave the pager. Though Saeed says he'll carry it, which if you think of the episode kind of in reverse here, uh, not, you know, not reverse, but in the the return trip as we're doing, uh, boy, doesn't that seem like a red flag? Doesn't that seem like a trap to him? If he's the bad guy, let's put it this way. If he's just a nice guy 
who's hanging out with her and they're getting all smoochy smoochy under the covers and whatnot and she says hey i'm going to take the night off uh from carrying around this pager that might be interrupted i mean i think most guys would say you know great because i have other plans for this evening (laughs) other than her leaving which is to say uh but the minute he says oh no, no no let's keep this pager that ties you to this mysterious economist uh you know given that she is this advanced protection if you will uh, that's got to be huge warning to her that he's up to no good, or at least possible that he's, you know, he's keeping an eye on when that economist will call. Uh, the flip side is, on first viewing, it's a slick movement to prick up our ears in regards that he's on a mission after all. And speaking of mysteries, uh, when Elsa asks if Said has a boss, he responds, everyone does. The answer to the boss question, of course, is meant to shock us, uh, which it does. Perhaps a little bit less so in retrospect, but certainly is the capper at the end of the episode. Flashback over. It's science time. Daniel grabs a metal box and and an antenna slash dish apparatus thingy. And inside the box are all sorts of techie looking things. And Dan has a plan on what to do with them. What's his story? Daniel? Couldn't tell you. Half the stuff he says goes way over my head, the other half goes way, way over. Hey, uh, Frank. Can I, uh, sorry to interrupt, Matt. Please use the phone just for a sec. For what? I just want to call Regina on the boat because I figure since we're waiting, maybe I could just, you know, just try to. What is it, Daniel? I just like to do an experiment. Just, just, uh. Okay. You just keep it to that science stuff, all right? Yeah. If Minkowski gets on there, you hang up right away. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Hello? Regina? Hey. Hi, it's Dan. Hang on. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Hang on. I'm all... Yes. I am all set here. I have a fix. Are you locked in? Getting your signal pretty clear. Oh, okay. Great. Then... Okay. Fire the payload. Payload away. Don't sweat it. He does this kind of stuff on the boat all the time. 5 kilometers to beacon, 30 kilometers to beacon, 30 kilometers to beacon, 25 kilometers to beacon, 20 kilometers to beacon, 15 kilometers to beacon. Regina? 5 kilometers to beacon. <laughs> Zero. I don't have it. That's weird. That is far more than weird. It's not quite time travel of course uh and uh, you know naturally there's a there's a second bit to that scene uh, not to that scene but there's a continuation of that uh that thought later in the episode which we'll discuss when we get there but certainly we're seeing a time anomaly here a time issue and uh if anything it's just starting to get some time questions going around in our head uh which you know is an area that uh an area that the show will return to uh, at the end of the season and then obviously big time in season five and uh, conclude in season six, very beginning of season six. But back to this episode, the story moves to Saeed and company arriving in Othersville, which looks haggard and vaguely overgrown. It's an amazing job done by the set decorators that they can turn Othersville from beat up to looking brand spanking new and I suppose vice versa. 
vines and dangling laundry. I get how how that can uh, punch up a scene, but pat, bare patches of grass, and it's almost you get this feeling of you know chipped paint and dirt everywhere. It's just really really well done. At any rate, they hear a rustling from one of the houses. They burst in, ready to shoot. Uh, and who's locked in a closet? Not a metaphor, according to Libby, of course. It's Hurley, bound and gagged. It ends the act, and, and we return to him almost mid-scene, explaining that Locke has gone crazy. Uh, and there's also meant to kind of be an oh moment. Hurley, who had chosen to go away from Jack and Kate, both of them Oceanic Six members, has now come back into the fold, along with, of course, Saeed, who's a newly minted O-Sixer as of this episode. This is, of course, setting up the uh, bit of a surprise in a scene or two where that is uh, it's not quite the case exactly that Hurley has left Locke's fold. Anyhow, as as Hurley explains what uh, what's going on, the show pauses for a joke as well as some self-commentary. Other chick? And, and, and he, Dude, don't ask. I was, like, just trying to argue with him so he would just, like, you know, chill. But uh, How about you stop babbling? Just tell us what happened to them. Where are they? Were you? Where the hell did they go, Tubby? Oh, awesome. The ship sent us another Sawyer. Early, where did they go? Look, I guess they were too busy timing up to tell me. I don't know. You know, in retrospect as well, there's also this kind of, you know, since Hurley is, uh, is you know, still on Locke's side, there's kind of this sort of, he's talking so fast because there really is no, you know, he, ha- he has a story to sell, but he can't exactly reflect on the experience of how, you know, well, uh, 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 he can't reflect on the lie and sell it as truth. So it's kind of this frenetic, you know, uh, stuttering, bumbling sort of thing as he's trying to paint a certain impression and tell a certain story that is not authentic. Anyhow, there's a bit more uh, kinetic dialogue. Then Hurley mentions that they were going to go by Ben's house, which, of course, puts Miles back on the track of Ben. He demands to go there, and the story moves back to the chopper. There's some dialogue back and forth between Jack and Lapidus about the Red Sox winning the World Series, a refrain of its life-affirming metaphor. However, you'll see in the uh, in the Lostpedia section, some people really overread into that. And then we have, uh, you know, since about a half hour has gone by in showtime, there's a return to the Faraday Science Hour. Oh. <laughs> it's the payload. It's finally here. What is that? It's a rocket. The rocket clock and the beacon clock show a 31-minute difference. Another scientific tidbit that the show doesn't exactly fully, fully mine, but certainly another note that uh, the rules on the island are different and kind of another opportunity for us to start getting prepared for some uh, time differences, to say the least. With that, Juliet, who had left to go to the beach to get Desmond to discuss the Desmond Penny picture, comes back with Desmond. And Desmond has certainly a well-earned happy moment. It's the chopper that he saw in the vision. Granted, Sans, Claire, and baby Aaron getting on it, but 
he's probably confident that that'll happen any moment now. From happiness, we move to tension as strike force Saeed goes into Ben's house. Kate finds nothing, but Saeed finds a secret Ben passageway behind a bookcase, no less. Of course, he enters the secret room with its lights off and with no help. Uh, this wouldn't be our choice, but I guess, you know, we're not Saeed. Anyhow, uh, in that uh, room, there's money in different denominations, as well as Ben passports from around the globe. Cut to Kate, who suddenly finds Sawyer, and then Locke in the living room, who confronts uh, Saeed, of course, and then Miles is backed into a corner by Rousseau. Then, shocker of shockers, and quite a good twist at that, Hurley was in on it all along as he gets complimented by Locke, and Hurley apologizes to Saeed. On that sad note, we end the act. It certainly is a turn of events when uh, we come back from that act break. Saeed taken to the rec room turned prison, where Ben is in the lockup as well, still looking awful and juicy and pus-covered. With that, we cut to Kate in Ben's bedroom, being minded by Sawyer. And finally, after a lot of second stringing for Sawyer, he gets some good characterization, and with Kate as well. What are you doing here with Locke? I'm not with him. Yeah, you are, James. And what are you doing with Jack? I went with Jack because I believe he can get us off this island. That's the difference between us. I ain't looking to leave. Why not? Because I ain't got nothing back there for me. And what's here that's so much better? Why do you want to go back, Kate? Seem to recall you'll be shuttled off to jail before we landed here. So if you think there's anything waiting for you back home other than handcuffs, then you really don't know how the world works. You look around us, Freckles. We got roofs over our heads. Electricity, showers, beds. Hey, how long, Sawyer? How long do you think we can play house? Why don't we find out? Ugh, oh, it's heartbreaking, isn't it? Hugs at the heartstrings, it's so so tender, so direct. Sawyer opening himself up, and Kate, as always, rebuffing him. The whole scene plays well, very, very well. And uh, there's a quiet desperation in Sawyer, of course, as well as reference to Kate's obvious return to jail. And that in and of itself being a sour note, for of course we've seen that in her future she's free. With that, the story heads back to the rec room prison, where Locke has brought iced tea for Saeed, but not Ben, who actually wants some. There's a wobbly sense in the background of Locke's leadership here. He really feels like he's trying to play in charge. The scene also allows the show to restate the central oomph of these episodes. Saeed wants to get to the freighter to find out what's going on. Ben says that they're up to no good because of his super Michael, secret Michael, spy Michael, the show Michael is keeping a Michael mystery. And after that comes Saeed's delicious line, the day I start believing in him, I will have sold my soul. Of course, we uh, see the irony at the end of the episode, Saeed working for Ben. And let's not forget that soul selling 
is something that Said has struggled with in the Republican Guard, on the island, in his flash forward, as we'll learn in this episode, and as a hollowed out man in black minion in season six. The scene ends with Said saying that he'll trade Charlotte, but not for nothing. And that mystery takes us to the flash forward. Said and Elsa are post-coitus, looking all lovey-dovey. He's content to stay in bed, perhaps forever. Though Ilsa is getting a bit questionable about his past, wanting to hear more about him because she's in... She doesn't want to say it, but it's clear that she's in love. Or at least, she's making it clear. The big shocker of, uh, you know, of the episode, at least in the, in the flash forward, of course, is that uh, she's playing him as much as uh, he's playing her, if not more so. Said promises no more secrets, and of course, with that, the famed beeper goes off. I think we're left wondering, would Said have poured out his heart and abandoned his job? We'll never know. Though, as he stares at her beeper, then closes his eyes in mental pain, we know what decision he's made. It also harkens back to the opening scene on the golf course, which has allowed us to know for the entire episode that he's a killer. And when Said speaks, there's a hard, cruel edge to his voice. A soldier's voice. Elsa? You have to leave Berlin. What? You can't be here anymore. What do you mean? Why would I... People will be asking questions soon. About what happened to your employer. And you can't be around to answer them. My employer? This, this is about my boss? Who are you? It has nothing to do with her. Cafe? You meant to meet me there? You used me to get to my boss. What did you say? People ask what happened to him? Best you don't know. You're gonna kill him? You're gonna kill him? His name is on a list. A list? What list? You have a list? It's my employer's. And who is that? It doesn't matter who he is. Do you just kill people because you're on a list? Innocent people? The man you're working for is not an economist. Elsa having shot Said is a shocking conclusion to the drama. At least that, the, the drama of the scene. And it's one that I had frankly forgotten. That will teach us to underestimate the doe-eyed blonde who apparently was pulling a Saeed on Saeed. Elsa's phone conversation reveals that she's in the know of a great deal as well and preparing to take Saeed to meet her people. With a quick diversion and cowboying up, Saeed ends up shooting her. Unlike Elsa, Saeed shoots to kill. He watches her die, shuts her eyes, and tears on his cheek touches her bracelet, which, as we'll learn from Lostpedia, has nothing to do with the other bracelet. Story moves to Desmond grilling Lapidus about the penny picture that Naomi had. Lapidus won't say one way or the other who his employer is or how the penny picture was had. If only we knew someone who has attempted getting into the island before and was related to Penny. Hmm. 
only that was some sort of grand answer, some person who's tried to get on the island, you know, let's say by by balloon, perhaps had his name on the side of the balloon, but also had a penny connection. Hmm. Anyhow, with that, Saeed crests the hill, followed by, after a pause, for drama's sake, Charlotte. Because they know they're on a drama and they want to stretch things out. Saeed explains that Kate has voted to stay and Miles was traded for Charlotte. Lapidus accuses him of cheating, but says Miles was a pain in the butt anyway. It's a great, great character moment for Lapidus. Same thing with Charlotte who says she'll stay on the island since she has work to do. And with that, they actually go for the hat trick as Daniel gets a character moment, cool cat casually mentioning that he'll just stay with Charlotte. Daniel then takes Lapidus aside and says no matter what, by which he means no matter what, Lapidus must stay on the exact proper heading while going back. As we search for clues on how the Oceanic Six formed, there's a fleeting moment where perhaps Jack will go on the freighter, but arg, no. It's the wheels of Lost, so mysterious a mystery to be solved the other day, with Kate and Hurley now in, uh, in one location, Jack at a second, and Saeed uh, a third. It's this wonderful job that they're doing, presenting you week by week, kind of a, you know, who's the Oceanic Sixer of the week, uh, and then somehow on island making that combination of those six all the more difficult anyhow the chopper bunch ends up being lapidus desmond saeed and naomi's body there's a great little happy moment as a rescue of a sort happens for saeed it's a great camera angle of him too he's by the open door the camera watching him through it for real lush trees going by it's a bittersweet moment but he certainly at least at that moment looks free with that, sans whoosh, we flash forward to Shot Saeed wandering into, curiously enough, a veterinarian's office. I think, too, it's an interesting decision. You know, obviously the big reveal being Ben in a moment, but I don't know. I think of veterinarians as, you know, kind of the puppy doctors. They're they're happy. They, you know, it's a it's such a fun, happy job. You know, there certainly is the downside, older animals, that sort of thing. But you kind of think of... You know, I mean, if you had a veterinarian live next door to you, wouldn't you just be like, oh, you know, he must be a nice person. She must be a great neighbor. Very innocuous. I'm sure that's the point. Uh, as he stumbles in, he's apparently there to get his wound taken care of. And he certainly looks overwhelmed. Take your shirt off. Notice here, by the way, that in the... Uh, bit you just heard as well as the next couple bit of uh, Ben lines there's a strange kind of lowering of his voice I don't know whether it's an acting decision or done kind of technologically but it's clearly Ben but also kind of masked is she dead yes why didn't she kill you Trying to get information from me. What sort of information? She wanted to know who I worked for. She wanted to know about you. Of course she did. 
Why are you crying? Because it hurts or because you were stupid enough to care for me? These people don't deserve our sympathies. Need I remind you what they did the last time you thought with your heart instead of your gun? You used that to recruit me into killing for you. You want to protect your friends or not, Saeed? I have another name for you. But they know I'm after them now. What an absolutely shocking ending for first-time viewers, this idea that Ben, too, was off the island. And, of course, that bit of information uh, in, in and of itself is just a huge mystery. How could our heroes be rescued along with someone who wasn't on the plane, wasn't on the manifest? How could that person be out as well? Just uh, a really, really nice uh, twist, a nice zinger. Uh, naturally, we learn the answer to it by the end of the season. Uh, the frozen donkey wheel, uh, as well as the original heartbreak that led to Saeed being recruited, but of course the death of Nadia, uh, his not true love, let's remember. For for this episode, though, being the third episode of the season, it's all about setting up little markers, little breadcrumbs for the rest of the season to follow. And uh, that being the objective of the episode, The Economist, as well as its unseen MacGuffin title character, certainly delivers a nice episode it's no you know not as good as last week's or the season premiere but certainly is a is a solid episode and gives us uh, you know moves that the island plot along nicely and also keeps uh keeps the future mysteries ahead of us nice and uh nice and interesting indeed so with that let's take a look at uh some bits and pieces from lostpedia it's another week that's chalk filled with Lots of goodies, the first being that among Ben's foreign banknotes is an original Series E 20-pound note issued by the Bank of England, withdrawn in 2001. You might say, who cares? Well, then let me add that the design of that banknote incorporates the face of Michael Faraday. Uh, second, continuing the fascinating background of Ben's money and passports, the New Zealand passport shown briefly in the drawer is a diplomatic passport, Standard ones from New Zealand are blue, whereas the one that's shown is red. Eh, okay. Uh, the passport that Saeed picked up to inspect was from Switzerland. The date of birth on this passport was March 3rd, 1962. It was issued on April 2nd, 2003. Uh, and this would uh, make the identity Ben assumes 42 years of age. That's a fun little tidbit there. Uh, they also mention, as I did at the top of the podcast, or... Was that last week? I don't remember. Anyhow, all kind of blurs together when you're doing this at breakneck speed. Anyhow, many fans speculated that the scene in this episode on the golf course, in the teaser act, that it took place after the final scene with Ben. And the theory goes that the man Saeed killed, Mr. Avellino, was in fact the next person on the list. This, however, was debunked by the producers. Uh, I wish Lostpedia had a bit more on that theory. I remember back... Uh, Back when the episode aired and, you know, as, as people were podcasting about it, I remember a bit more discussion um, supporting it. I don't exactly remember where that support was. I mean, it would have been neat. It's also like, 
you know, Lost has never done a flash. I mean, it's not. It wouldn't even be a flashback. It, it, it would have been weird to have a scene out of order that wasn't a clear. Here's the main story, island story. Here's the story that's out of the. You know, that's that's not that time. It's not a flash forward. It's not a flash back. It's not a flash sideways. To to do that kind of monkeying would be a bit uh, a bit tedious. Anyhow, moving on. Uh, a scene featuring Kate, Saeed, and Miles at the security fence was cut for time. Uh, I don't particularly miss it, aside from the fact that Miles is fun on screen. So, say la vie. Uh, now, here's a good tidbit. This is the last episode in which Desmond is on the island until the season six episode, The Package. So, think about that. That's that's pretty impressive indeed. Last from uh, Lostpedia, although not last from our uh, bits of tidbits here. Uh, it's mentioned that the scene when Daniel holds the two digital clocks side by side is reminiscent of the first film in the Back to the Future trilogy. When Doc Brown performs his experiment with his dog Einstein, the dog is sent to the future, and one minute later, Doc is seen on screen comparing side by side a stopwatch that time traveled and one that stayed put, which, to be fair, it also did travel through time. It just traveled through time over the course of a minute, whereas the other one skipped the minute, but that's probably too much time travel discussion for you. Uh, two other bits of uh, trivia and important notes from Wikipedia. Uh, some scenes in the episode gained unintentional significance. The Boston Red Sox won the World Series for the second time in three years after the episode was written, which prompted the question, is it possible Lapidus is actually from 2008? due to his annoyed reply about the Red Sox winning the World Series. Likewise, the only reason that Elsa and Naomi had similar bracelets was that it would serve as an emotional touchstone for Saeed. Uh, after the episode, the producers received several emails about both issues. So, eh, whatever. Last but not least, I think this is a good, uh, good note to end on, particularly since... Uh, feel like there was a slight kind of James Bondish uh flair to some of the Said music um particularly you know kind of the early Sean Connery stuff a little bit of that um would it be a uh this would be a, a string plucking of some sort and whether the harp or a you know violin that sort of thing but anyhow Wikipedia has a quote from Chris Carabot of IGN who says Elsa's double cross is, quote, very reminiscent of Vesper Lind and her true employer in Casino Royale. So, true. <laughs> Quite true indeed. Anyhow, with, uh, with this episode now fully in the bag, let's look ahead to next week, episode 404, Eggtown. Lots of uh, Kate goodness in that episode, also lots of... Uh, different uh, musings on the word egg and fertility and motherhood and all that. So uh, good stuff indeed. If you'd like to share feedback, the best way to do it is say to say hello on Twitter. I'm looking back lost. Call the listener line 732-707-1815. Uh, send an email to lookingbackatlost.gmail.com or leave a comment on the webpage lookingbackatlost.podbean.com. So thank you everyone for listening. I'm so glad that we were able to chug through, uh, chug through season four here, and I will talk to you all again next week for 404 Eggtown. Take care, everybody, and bye-bye.